0: Good morning, church. It's good to see you uh, and be with you this morning. Uh, This passage today uh, that that we're we're talking about is is an interesting one. Um, It's it's Jesus on the cross. It's one of his his words from the cross. Um, And and, uh, and it's one that I think is, is easy to skip over. Um, if, you're, if you're just preaching John 19, it seems like there's a lot more important things happening in, in the passage, and so this may be one that, that we've never thought very deeply about, but it's been interesting and, and to, to meditate on it um, and, and to think about it t- today. And so we're going uh, to see three things together that Jesus does uh, in, and, and th- three things that he's doing in this passage and in this interaction uh, with his mother. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll dive in. Father, thank you for, for today. Thank you for our, our mothers uh, that we get to honor today. Um, thank you for, uh, for bringing us here, and thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, we do pray uh, that, that, uh, that Roe would be overturned. Uh, we pray that the, the million, uh, uh, approximately a million babies that our country's been killing uh, every year since 1973, that that would stop. Uh, we pray that you would continue to turn public opinion, that, that pe- as people see these babies uh, on ultrasounds, that, that they would uh, realize um, life when they see it, uh, Lord. And that, and that uh, the church, your people, and everyone would, would stand up and would care for needy mothers and needy children, um, and, and uh, that, that we, could see, uh, we could see the end of this evil uh, in, in our generation. Lord, we ask that you would come, uh, that you would open your word to us, that you would speak to us. Uh, we need to hear from you, and, and uh, so would you please come? We trust you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. The first thing that we see from, from this passage today, the first thing we see Jesus doing, what's he doing in this, in this passage? I think first we see that Jesus cared for his mother. Jesus cared for his mother. Uh, we, we know the fifth commandment is to honor your father and mother, right? Uh, the first commandment with a promise that, that it may go well with you. Your days may be long in the land. And Jesus fully uh, obeyed this command, right? We, we saw it uh, very early on in his life, even in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 2. I don't know if you remember uh, back, back when we are you know, going through the Gospel of Luke and a couple uh, months ago when we, when we talked about that, when Jesus is a teenager, he even honors his mom. Uh, he, he's, he, they go, he's 13 years old. They go to a, a feast in Jerusalem. They leave him there uh, on accident. They, they leave the, the festival and uh, they think that Jesus is with them. They find out he's not. They have to go back, travel to Jerusalem. They find him in the temple. Um, and they're kind of flustered, understandably. And, and Mary says, how could you do this to me? How could you do this to us? Didn't you know we'd be be looking for you. Um, and, and it says that Jesus, he went down, he submitted to them, and he was obedient. Right? So the perfect son of God, even as a 13-year-old, submitted to his imperfect and sinful parents and honored them obeyed them Um, and and then we see throughout the the gospels there's little interactions right we see little glimpses into Jesus relationship with Mary his mother maybe my favorite is in John chapter 2 Jesus first miracle in John his first sign in the gospel of John Um, he there he and Mary are at a wedding they're at a wedding of a close family friend Uh, weddings were long events in these days big parties and the groom was responsible to bring the wine um, and, and Mary comes up to Jesus and says to him, Jesus, they're out of wine. Um, and Jesus says, in, a, in a, a phrase that's just packed with meaning that we won't be able to get into, but he says, woman, which is, which is not derogatory, just like in our passage, he says, woman, this is not a, a derogatory phrase in, in the Aramaic. Uh, he says, woman, it, 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 what, what does this have to do with me? It's not my time. My time has not yet come. Um, and she says, in a tone that I just think mothers, mothers have this tone, you know? She doesn't even talk to him, she just says, to the servants, do whatever he tells you, right? It was like, Jesus, I don't know if you heard me, but what I said was, they ran out of wine. <laughs> do whatever he says, right? Uh, oh, like confidence in, in uh, Jesus that he would take care of it, whatever it took, um, and he did, right? He changed the water to wine, he, uh, the, and the party could continue. So Jesus, as an adult, honored and, and uh, cared for his mother. And then here we see the same thing. When one of Jesus' last acts on the cross, he, he cares for. His mother, it would have been the responsibility in this culture of the oldest son to care for his parents. Um, and Mary is, is likely at this point, uh, scholars think, a widow. Uh, she, she's likely in her 40s or 50s. She's a widow, uh, obviously, in this culture. Um, there wasn't a lot of prospects for, she needed someone to care for her. And her oldest son is dying and he looks down and he says, woman, behold your son. Right? he looks at John and says, behold your mother. Right, and John takes her into his home and cares for her from that point on. And so he cares even for his mother at the very end. And, and I think the, the, an obvious takeaway from this is that you should take care of your mother. <laughs> right, you should take care of your mother. Um, Jesus, in fact, in fact he, he, do you remember he bashes the Pharisees in Mark chapter seven? He, he, he bashes them for not doing this. You remember, he's, telling, he's getting on to them for holding on to the commands of God, or the commands of men, human commandments, right, and, and ignoring the commands of God. And he says, uh, it, it, God says, the law says, honor your father and mother. Whoever reviles his father and mother uh, will, be, will be put to death, right? He says, God's desire is for you to honor and care for your parents. Uh, but he says, but you say, um, if I, if whatever help I would have given to you is, should be given to God, will be given to God. If you make a donation to the temple, then you're free from your obligation to care for your parents. And he says, you're, you, you ha- there's a human, you're following a human command that ignores the commands of God. You should care for your parents, right? For, uh, 1 Timothy 5.8, the same thing. Anyone who does not provide for, uh, meet the needs of his, of his relatives, right? It says especially members of his household, uh, which this, this, in this time, the household would have been multi-generational. You see John take Mary into his home. Um, then if you don't provide for them, you, you've denied the faith. You're worse than an unbeliever. It's God's desire that we would care for our parents, and Jesus did this. He cared for his mother. And he's doing it in this, in this very passage um, as he is dying. What else do we see Jesus do? Well, uh, I think we see Jesus care for John. I, see, I think we see Jesus care for John in this passage. Um, this struck me this week. If you notice, uh, verse 26, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing there. Now, John, throughout this gospel, refers to himself as this, the disciple Jesus loved. And for whatever reason, right, he writes about himself in third person in the gospel, so he's describing himself in this way, and I just, I just, if you think, get into his mind, what was he thinking, right? He thought, man, how can I describe myself? What's the essence of my relationship with Jesus? What's the essence of the experience I had with Christ on earth? How can I describe myself? And this is what he chose to say. I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, I don't think that means that Jesus didn't love the other disciples, or he loved John more than the other disciples. I don't, I don't think so. Um, but, but I think this is getting at, this, this was the essence, this was what John, this was his experience with Jesus, is that, oh, he loves me. He loves me. If you're a Christian, you know this experience. Maybe you've forgotten. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you need to hear that today, that you're the one Jesus loves. Or Jesus actually loves you. It's amazing. Could you write this? Could you, if you were writing a story about yourself, could you describe yourself? Yeah, I'm, I'm the one Jesus loves. It's amazing. But he's, and in this passage, I think we see Jesus caring for John and loving John. One of the ways he loves him here is that he gives him a mother. John received a mother. Just like Mary received a son, John received a mother. And a mother is a gift, A mother is a gift, a faithful mother, a mother who teaches, a mother who prays, a mother who cares for and lays down her life for her children. Mothers are a gift. Uh, Mothers often um, are are, are the people who, uh, at the the darkest hour of your life, right when all your friends leave you, mothers are the ones who are standing by, by your cross. Aren't they? They're always there for you. The unconditional love of a mother is such a gift. I mean, maybe, maybe you look at, at your, your mom and, and you, you think, man, I, I don't know that I had that. I don't know that, that, that was, uh, she wasn't always there for me uh, as she should have been. Uh, but maybe, like John, you've received mothers in your life. Maybe there's been older women. There have been people in your life who, who have, God has put there to, to care for you, who have been there for you, who have loved you unconditionally like a mother. And what do we, we say for these people, for this, this gift? We, we can only say thank you. Thank you, God. What a, what a caring and loving God that we have, that he would give us mothers. So we see Jesus caring for his mother. We see Jesus caring for John. Um, and lastly, uh, I, I, as, I was, as I was studying this passage and, and thinking about it, I, I just wondered why John includes it. It's interesting. This is the climax of this gospel, right? The gospel, the whole thing is building toward the crucifixion uh, and the resurrection, right? These, this is the, the uh, climax of John's gospel. Um, and, and you might say, well, he, it, it, he was in it. It was a personal experience. That's why he included it. Um, but there were lots of personal experiences he had with Jesus that he didn't include. Like John explicitly says that. He's like, I could have written a lot more, but I've selected. So he chose to leave this in. Um, I think you can look at. Uh, there's other things that happened on the cross that John didn't include, like talking to the the Jesus interaction with the, the two thieves beside him. John was there; he saw that, but he didn't mention that. But he did mention this. He put this in here. All right, right before, if you look at it, he's Jesus is nailed to the cross, and then there's this section, and then uh, he says it is finished. So why why does Jesus or why does John include this in his narrative? Uh, in his account of the life of Jesus. And I think it was for a theological reason. I think he's more than just caring for his mother. Um, I I think that Jesus here is establishing a new family. Jesus is establishing a new family. And as Jesus looks down from the cross and says, woman, behold your son, and son, behold your mother, um, he's creating a new family. He's he's, uh, facilitating an adoption, right? Um, And and I think in that, it's a microcosm of what he's doing in his death. Because what's he doing? He's creating a new family, the family of God. He's referenced this throughout his ministry. Um, In in Matthew 12, in Jesus' teaching, there's a big crowd all pressing around him. Someone comes in the door and says, Jesus, your mother and your your brothers are outside. They want to see you. Right, in this culture, family, a traditional culture, family's everything. Your family reputation, uh, you're honoring your family, that's everything. And in that culture, Jesus says something really shocking. He says, Who are my mother and my brothers? And he looks out and he says, to, across his disciples, and says, These are my brothers and my mother. Anyone who do- hears the word of God and keeps it is my brother, my sister, my mother. What's he saying? He's saying there's a, there's a family that transcends the nuclear family. Right? There's a greater family. Um, Luke, in Luke 11, another, another time, Jesus is teaching. A woman raises her voice and says, blessed is the womb that bore you and the one who nursed you which would have been a great Mother's Day verse. Actually, I should have chosen that one. Um, as you leave, there'll be a coffee mug that has that, that verse on it for you. Uh, but right, what, what could Jesus have said to that? Right, someone yells out. He could have said, amen, sister. My mother is awesome. Pray, I, I just honor her. That's not what he said, though. What did he say? Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Right, apparently, there's, there's, yeah, is there a blessing in motherhood? Yes. Is there a gift in motherhood? Yes. But there's a greater blessing. And that's in, that's in those who hear the word of God and keep it, the larger family of God. And Jesus is establishing here a new family, the church. And I think sometimes we struggle to live this way. We struggle to live this truth out. We all would acknowledge that, yeah, yeah, church is a family, got it. Um, but, but I think sometimes we, we, we struggle, and especially church culture, like our church culture. Um, I don't mean us particularly, I guess I do, uh, but in, you know, church culture in America. Um, I, I think we struggle with, with family idolatry. There can be an idolatry around the family, an overemphasizing of the nuclear family. All right, we can be so focused on on just us, like our children, our spouse, our family, um, that, that we miss out on so many more so much many much more of our family and so much more of what God's doing in the world. Or d- does our concern, our circle of concern, does it extend beyond our nuclear family to the family of God? Does it extend to and, and as it extends to the family of God, does it extend to God's mission in the world? Or are we too busy? Like, are we too busy to, to, to be in the kind of community that God calls us to be in? Would we love to serve someone in need in our church family? But man, I just got I, I just got too much you know too much select baseball to go to too much cheer too much right kids activities are the easy ones to, to point to and they're not all wrong. But but how are we how are we organizing our family? How are we uh, interacting and in, in living in the world to where we we expand our concern to the family of God, the family that God cares about, the family that He died for. Jesus' concern for the family of God and the mission of God led him to lose his nuclear family. He said in, in, in Luke 14, anyone who does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, yes, even his own life can't be my disciple which is a hard verse, right? What, what does it mean? Of course he loves his mom. Like what is, what is it? Well, I think, I think if, you, if you, someone from the outside looking at the cross could have said, he hates his mom. If he loved her, he'd have, he'd have stayed and taken care of her. He wouldn't have said that stuff that got him crucified. Well, in Nazareth, he just walked through the crowd that was trying to kill him. Why didn't he just escape again? It seemed like the Roman leaders wanted to let him go. And he just didn't defend himself. Why didn't he say something? He could have gotten off. He didn't love his mom. But of course we know that by dying on the cross, he was loving his mom in the best way that he possibly could. He was dying in her place for her sin. And he was loving us in the best way that he possibly could. He poured himself out to death out of love for us. In the same way, o- opening our heart to the church and to the world may not seem wise or plausible in many situations. But, but it's really the, the way to love our family the best. It's really the way to love our nuclear family the best. Right, love is not a limited resource. It's not like uh, if you give out love, if you open your heart to others, you won't have as much love for your family. No, no, no. God pours his love into our hearts We have the Holy Spirit in us, who is a well of living water overflowing. The more you have, I think this is where this applies: that to the one who has more will be given. The more you pour out, the more you will find you have. We have an infinite resource of love in God, and so we can open our hearts. Right, our, our kids need to see, right young families, like our kids need to see us loving people other than just them. We need to love them, they need to see that, but they also need to see us loving others. What does that teach them? How does that, how does that show them about God's heart for the world, about God's family, the church? I think of, uh, especially on Mother's Day, moms with, with older kids, um, empty nesters, Right? How are you pouring into, like Titus says, like the older, older women teach the younger women? How are you sharing your life with younger generations in our church? How are you teaching them and, and sharing the things that God has led you through, the good and the bad, the lessons that you've learned? How are you discipling and pouring into? Do you have time for that? You, are you making time for that? Those who... who women who haven't had kids. I think this is, the, what does the family of God mean for, for people who, who can't have kids or who don't have kids? Oh, it means they're no less part of the family. Right? It means you, you can have spiritual children. Right? You can have so many fruitful relationships. Right? We need you. We need you to pour into us. We need you to disciple and to share and to, to be in our lives. Do we have? Are, are we willing to open our hearts to each other, to the new family of God, the family that Jesus died for? Um, I, I, when I think of this and opening opening our hearts um, to to, uh, to the church and to the world and God's mission in the world, um, I think of a great woman, a woman who was a, a spiritual mother to many, uh, Elizabeth Elliot. I'm Elizabeth Elliott, I, I learned about uh, through books that she has written. She's an author, speaker, teacher. Um, but she she, as a young as a young mother, um, was a missionary. She and, and her husband Jim uh, were they graduated from uh, Wheaton College in the 1940s, mid 1940s, I believe. Uh, and they they had a heart for uh, for the unreached, right? For those who've never heard the gospel. And they heard about this tribe, the Alcas, right, in Ecuador. And uh, this was a, they were uh, a very um, isolated. They were kind of uh, nomadic, so they were hard to track in the jungles. Uh, and they didn't have any, there was no one there, no, no Christian that ever uh, made contact with them. And so they decided, we're going to go. We're going to try to reach these people. And so they, they did a lot of planning, uh, a lot of strategizing. They had Nate Saint was one of the, the, uh, the men. He was a pilot. And so they, they had this, uh, this plan to, uh, they flew over and they yelled down in the native language, you know, a lot of uh, like friendly phrases and they dropped gifts. And finally they made contact, right? One day they made contact. They, they landed on a beach um, in the jungle and the, the five husbands, uh, it was Jim and, and uh, Elizabeth and then four other couples. The five husbands were there on the beach and they made contact. Um, and as you know, if you know the story, uh, it seemed to be going well, but soon after, uh, a, a group of warriors, of Alka warriors came up the beach and killed the five men, all right, speared them uh, to death and threw them through their bodies in the river. Uh, and, and at that moment uh, and at that time, I don't think anyone would have, would have blamed Elizabeth Elliot for packing up and, you know, calling it a day, you know, calling, like going home, going back to, to, uh, America, forgetting, uh, forgetting that, uh, the, those people and, and just trying to, you know, rebuild her life. I mean, they did come back and they did regroup, uh, but these women decided and, and they, 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 and through prayer, um, and together they said, we, we want to We still love these people. We want to go share the gospel with them, and so they kept going. They 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 kept try to make contact. They eventually did make contact. They eventually moved among these people, Uh, and and many many of the Alka uh, of the Alka tribe did accept Christ, including eventually the killers of their husbands. It's an amazing story. And and, uh, Elizabeth Elliot, uh, I think she's such a great example of someone who just opened her heart. She was willing to follow God wherever he led. In many ways, I think she she lived in her life, her life uh, exemplified a a quote of her husband's, right, of Jim Elliot, who said, he's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Right, and Jim gave his life and Elizabeth gave her life to these people and they received back uh, in many fold, right, in the family of God. And, and, and may, we, may we do the same. May we give our lives to the Lord and follow him wherever he leads. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for today. Thank you for your word and thank you for your family. Thank you for making us a family. Uh, we struggle to live like it. And so we need your help and we need your grace. Would you, uh, would you impress on our minds the people uh, in, our, in our community, in our circles, the, the people uh, in our neighborhoods, the people in our, in our life groups, the people in our Bible studies, um, the people sitting on the row next to us, whoever it is, Lord, would you impress on our minds the people that you, you want us to open our hearts to, to serve, to love? Lord, would would we uh, would we love our families well um, by loving your family? Thank you for your grace to us, and thank you for your love that we don't deserve. Jesus, thank you for dying for us, for, for going to the cross, for will it be being willing to bleed out for your enemies and to make us your family. We love you. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus, amen.